Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Cynthia Sloan, an internationally acclaimed telepathic intermediary who dialogues telepathically with guides and loved ones on the other side while visually communicating with their holographic light body consciousness. Well, she provides detailed guidance and empowerment to all who consult her, including business people and celebrities like Shirley MacLaine, Sharon Osborne, Jerry Hall, and others. Cynthia is also a gifted speaker and writer, especially with a little help from her friends. And that's what we're going to talk about today. She has recently begun working with some of the most notable and influential personages in history. Their wisdom and humor sparkle through Cynthia as they illuminate some of our most pressing present-day dilemmas from their new vantage point in a different dimension. They share their extraordinary wisdom with the aim of uplifting humanity's consciousness at this pivotal time. These dialogues have been collected under the title, Extraordinary Wisdom, Amazing Conversations. And this impressive, if unusual, council has asked Cynthia to present this body of work to the world. And here, in her first endeavor in this direction, we welcome Cynthia. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, Mary. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you today. And we're delighted to have you. Cynthia, you have a very colorful background. You were born in Brazil and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, tell us about your childhood and your family. Yes, my father was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and he lived in Brazil. My mother was born and raised in Brazil. I have two sisters. My older sister passed away. Um, I have a fraternal twin, and she is married with children. And my father has passed away, and my mother is living near family. My childhood was um, very different in that we were brought to California from Brazil before I was six months old. It kind of created a cultural uh, duality, if you will, in that my parents were trying to bring up, bring us up as in the Brazilian culture, which um, is much more of a structured cultured, if you will, in some ways, and we're being going to school and being brought up amongst our American friends. Um, the, there was a lot of emotional bullying uh, throughout my entire childhood. It was pretty severe, a lot of uh, verbal attacks, and it went on daily. So my father was an atheist and my mother a non-practicing Catholic, and there wasn't a centered core of grounding going on. Um, we were all pretty much in survival mode in relationship to the negativity, and everyone survived in their own way. Um, I found that at a very young age, the age of uh, six, I was introduced to spirit. Again, we were not brought up with a particular religion, and so we weren't practicing any kind of stabilization whatsoever. And spirit came to me one day. My father was having a family meeting where he would gather everyone, and only he spoke. And we were all looking down as usual. And I remember just humming a song to myself, being six years old. And when I looked up at my father... 
my eyes took in what I didn't even understand at the time, which was light in movement, flow, sacred geometry, sparks of light all around him, just from head to toe and all sides, and it expanded far out beyond his body. And as a six-year-old child, I was enthralled with that. I was not only looking at it, but I felt such a deep contrast to who I knew that being to be on a physical realm. I felt such a deep warmth and love. And when I internally, through my mind, asked, what is that?, I felt a response, and I visually saw the energy around my father move towards me, and a dialogue began from that moment on that has been lifelong and has never stopped. From that moment of recognition, and I'm sure my father thought, wow, I'm really getting the point home. Look at how focused she is on me. I didn't hear a word he said. All I did was experience this dialogue emotionally, audibly. I could hear uh, the spirit guides, which I've come to know, of course, communicating with me that this was love, this was energy when I asked uh, what it's... Um, major focus was. When I looked away from my father in that moment at six years old, everything in the room was surrounded by light and energy and sacred geometry, and everything was communicating with itself and each other. And when I focused just my eyes on the different, uh, the dog or the aura of the plant, the energy of the plant recognized that and I knew that because the energy would then focus on me so it's like all of a sudden I was participating in a universal dialogue but consciously invited in and it informed me and has continued the entirety of my life well in fact it's it's developed into some extraordinary gifts do you just out of curiosity do you think that uh, being in an abusive situation or being really at the low point of your emotional life, whatever age you are, sort of opens the door for spirit to come in and say, it's okay, we'll take care of you? I think that I was six years old and that's all that I knew. I don't know, I do not believe that I was consciously at six years old seeking help. But because of the abuse and the bullying, one tends to go within more because externally the outside world represents uh, a harshness. And so being bullied and being in that harsh environment does, I believe, for, for anyone that's uh, going through either a minimal or a maximum extreme of that, you tend to go within more and possibly be more available to uh, the peace or even the internal makings because externally there's not much there for you. And it also it becomes a form of, um, I think, an instinct in humanity, regardless of your age, to go within as your self-preservation. Mm-hmm. So being external doesn't so much offer that. So at six, from six years old on and being informed by all that light and energy and vibration and love, I became very um, 
committed to that dialogue because it offered a not only an opportunity of connection, which clearly I wasn't having externally with the humans around me, but it also informed me that the environment that I was in was being to be used as a classroom. My spirit guides literally used the situation to teach me how to not only uh, utilize it and hone in on my skills and gifts, but to even inform me that I had them. As an example to you, Spirit would speak to me telepathically and say, go into the living room, look at your father's aura. I had come to know, of course, that the aura and the light body meant all of that light and structure around my father. I would go and look at it. They would say, these are his thoughts right now. Do you acknowledge that? I would internally say yes. They would say, now wait a moment, his thoughts are going to change. His thoughts would change. His aura would reflect that change in all aspects of it, visually, vibrationally, emotionally. I saw the uh, symphony, if you will, that exists at all times reflect the change of thought. Then spirit would ask me, do you see that, acknowledge that? And I would say yes. And then they would say, okay, leave the room. So they utilized the very situation that I was in as a classroom. I have to make a very important point here that being more available to the internal dialogue, because I was aware of what the external dialogue offered me, even at that young age, I was able to communicate with much more clarity because the energetic dialogue of our uh, intuition and also of our uh, vibrational energy and sometimes our mental state is much more clear because there's no manipulating the energy of communication when it's coming straight from your internal and telepathic dialogue. Where the external dialogue, I started noticing very quickly of what those around me, whether it was harsh or there was a moment of uh, a breather there, which was few and far in between, uh, that their words were very different and didn't match their aura. So see, even though my father's aura was what awakened me, uh, what spirit utilized to awaken me to who I am and what moved through me and with me, even though there was a harshness there, the light and the energy and universal love was still present in the expansion and extension of him. As an example, when the uh, bullying and the severe negativity was happening, and it was not physical, it was verbal and emotional, but nonetheless as impactful, that I would contract and pull into myself, almost shrink, if you will, and spirit at the same time that it was happening would come in like a balloon, if you will, and expand me back into my normal state of being and communicate with me whatever the verbal warfare, because words were used as weapons, was happening at the time, spirit would come in with tremendous love and a strong whisper and state the opposite, state the truth in relationship to the falsehood. And so that's what created a ongoing capacity for me to stay in balance, for me to choose love, and for me to stay with an open heart and live from that place of the open heart. Did you get a sense that you were being trained for a particular role in the world? You know, at a younger age, no. I was just in the experience. And um, 
falling in love with it and more every moment and understanding more. I went from a place of feeling completely disconnected to completely interconnected. Um, as I went into my teenage years, etc., yes, my life uh, revealed to me, my life as all our lives are talking to us out loud, my life revealed to me very quickly that as my friends and uh, in different situations, even strangers were around me, I started receiving messages and visions and moving pictures even for individuals around me, and that's when I started to understand that when I offered, in fact, I was guided by spirit at different times to validate the experience of what I was being taught. It wasn't just trust what you're being shown and told, but also test it and work with it. And as an example, I would be given a message and um, I would ask spirits. So it was a constant dialogue internally um, in the supermarket. I would be given a message and I would look around and I could see the aura of an individual and I would ask spirit internally, is that message for that person? And spirit said yes. And then I was guided, go ahead and ask that person. I would walk up to people from an early age, 11 actually and on, and say, I know you don't know me, but I have a message for you. I have a strong intuitional hit for you, and I wondered if I could share that with you. And I have to tell you, Miriam, 99% of the time, people were not only open, but felt acknowledged to even be um, experiencing a stranger walking up to them and offering them something versus wanting something from them. Mm -hmm. And so often they would say yes, and um, I'm sure nowadays they'd say yes and look around for a camera, but in those days, you know, it was yes, and they were fully present. And so I would share the message with them even if it was an aspect that I didn't, did not understand, often it was a message to uh, their prayer the day before or a continuation of their thought or some kind of validation. But what ended up happening was it was a confirmation and a validation not only for my gifts and what I was offering, but for the person I was offering them to. So, yes, I did not fully understand the scope and magnitude of how I was to, um, I didn't think so much in the future. I was fully present in the moment, and I very much listened and acted on a dialogue that um, started when I was six, and because of it, I was surviving and thriving. Mm-hmm. If you've just joined us, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're chatting with Cynthia Sloan about her new manuscript, Extraordinary Wisdom, Amazing Conversations. So, Cynthia, um, you, as you grew up, you developed your skills more and more. When, when did you kind of become more a professional intuitive? I, I remember that about 11 years ago, you met an advanced being on the slopes of Mount Shasta. Uh, <laughs> I did. You know, um, because, hmm? Tell us about him. No, no, no worries. So when I met Alexor um, on the slopes of Mount Shasta, I had already been doing readings and phone sessions all over the world 
um, offering not only tidbits of information, but it had progressed into a body of work where I was offering complete readings from one spectrum to another, from career to soul purpose to health, relationships, and on so on and ongoing. And so visually I was able to, with respect always and deep honor and gratitude and sacredness, call on the persons, if I was doing a phone reading in um, Australia, call on the person's light body, which was their aura, and that aura would visually be available to me, and then I would telepathically communicate with it as well as the guides. So I had that visual sight that had expanded beyond measure. In Mount Shasta in California, I was down towards the bottom of the mountain, just uh, walking and taking in the energy of Mount Shasta, which is so prominent and present and um, beautiful, when up at the top of the mountain, what caught my visual attention was a round ball or a sphere, if you will, of golden light. And it was so bright that it stopped me in my tracks, and I just stared at it. And I felt immediately an emotional response. And it was pretty far away from me, but nonetheless, being that there is no space, um, I felt an immediate emotional response. And it was beyond just a feeling of gratitude. It was more of a universal um, reunion, it felt like. And so I watched this uh, sphere of light, and it felt like my tears overflowing were to the extent of emotion that would honor that moment. And it literally traveled down the mountain and stopped about a foot away from me. And I'm staring, (laughs) disbelieving. It was very surreal at this ball of light that had physically traveled and was now a foot away from me. And I'm looking at it and I'm having the realization while my shoulders are going up and down and I'm sobbing that this form was a being. I could feel warmth. I could feel consciousness that this round sphere of light was like a form not unlike our human form. And just at that moment in time, in a blink of an eye, it transformed from a round circle to an oval shape, and then it expanded and elongated right in front of me. And when I say that, it didn't take 10 minutes and I could watch my watch um, and keep track of time. It happened in a blink of an eye, literally, and this being is staring down at me. He's about 14 feet high, so I'm staring up at him, and this dialogue of telepathic communication began, and of course, I found out his name was Alexor, he was a Lemurian light being in his last lifetime, and he said that he belonged to a universal council that saw that my physical cellular body could sustain their light frequency that was at a much faster, higher vibrational frequency, and if I would be willing to act as a human microphone, trance channel, this individual and the rest of um, the consciousness to answer the call of humanity. And of course, through my tears, I telepathically said, what call? And he said that for centuries, humanity had been sending out prayers for the end of suffering, the end of separation, the end of, of pain, the end of war, and that for centuries, Spirit in all different forms had been answering that call through dream state, awakening state, through whatever tool and divine instrument that could be used, and that humanity had been disco- 
excuse me, discarding and also doubting those visitations and those illuminations and that if I would be willing and able to be a place that humanity could register um, something that they could uh, relate to, which was, of course, my human body and my voice. And so, of course, I said yes. Um, when the lector spoke to me telepathically, it moved through every inch of my being down to the tips of my hair. And when I responded, my entire being responded. It was an experience of wholeness that um, expanded and took me to a, yet another plateau of understanding. And I've been... Um, Alexor has presented and I've received messages from Alexor for children, adults, politicians, scientists about the universe, doctors about medicine, um, individuals about their personal lives and their soul purpose. He has never not answered a question in 11 years. Hmm. Um, I must say that I have had the privilege of being present at uh, a few of your channelings of Alexor and the the vocalizations that come through you are absolutely mind-boggling. You just can't believe that a human vocal system could make those tones. Isn't that incredible? I have to agree. I would not have believed it either. In fact, to be quite honest, all of my experiences that I share, I have lived first, and that's why I share them from such a place of passion and my deep knowing. And had I not experience what was possible uh, with Alexor through me, I would not have uh, been able to wrap my brain around it. He does toning through me, which offers healing as a raw, pure energy ray of light, and people have experienced everything from detached retinas, reattaching, to clearing up um, disease, to clearing up even emotional, of course, mental confusion. Mm-hmm. And it's through this toning that's held through my vocal cords that um, I couldn't even duplicate if I wanted to. Hmm. So um, do you think that this was like a preparation of your body to accept multiple beings at one time? I think that it's, I've been channeling Alexa for 11 years, so, um, you know, I have to say yes to that. I, I believe that our everyday living, we are in preparation for the next moment. We are in practice for our soul evolution and adding to it. So, yes, I would have to say channeling Alexa, I believe, um, not consciously, but certainly in the answer to your question and contemplating it, yes. Most likely, it did prepare me for what came in uh, the beginning of 2012. Well, tell us about that. Well, the the year 2012 came, and literally, when the calendar shifted into January 1st, 2012, I felt physically, vibrationally, emotionally, mentally, all of it, my light body expand to, and when I say expand, I mean grow beyond me to encompass the world and then return to me and then some. I almost felt, um, I literally physically was shaking and vibrating, and there was such a quickening within me, and I thought, okay, well, I guess this has to do with year 2012, and um, now I will walk around being like this. <laughs> It was really without uh, conscious knowledge of what was happening. Shortly after that, my spirit guides came to me and said, would you be willing to channel duos? 
it was a concept I never thought before. And when thinking about it, I thought, well, how is that possible? Well, I'd already experienced a lifetime of what was impossible, manifesting as possible. So I said, yes, I would be interested, and uh, how does that happen? And Spirit responded to me in saying that two would arise, two beings would arise. One would speak through me, others would receive messages through that being, and that then that one would step aside, and then the one that uh, arrived with him would step in and respond, that they would be having, these duos that arrived, a conversation with each other, as well as anyone seated with them. Well, I was, that was amazing to me. Of course I was interested, and I had never heard of or seen this information presented in this way before. And I was deeply honored and humbled to be asked. And so the day came where I sat in a chair and, you know, I was expecting, uh, I was really under the impression just of my own, not told to me, but of my own uh, conscious thinking that nature spirits and fairies might speak through me or Mother Earth might have a message for humanity. And I was delighted at that possibility. I really had no expectation other than my heart was full and open. And so I remember feeling myself drift off into the upper right-hand corner of the room and immediately a being, I heard a being coming through me, and his voice was of a man, a very serious man, and he was speaking almost in a dialogue of where he left off somewhere else. So he came in speaking about his point, and clearly he was speaking to the individual that had arrived with him. And I was in a uh, kind of, it felt like a holographic view, which was I was in and out, more of a dream state. I wasn't, I was present, but not fully hearing every single word. Um, I did hear, however, when the being said, uh, my name is Sigmund Freud. And the people in the room, their mouths dropped open. And, you know, if I had been physically in the room, I would have fallen over. But being that I was out of body, I just wavered a little bit out of shock and amazement. And so immediately following the the title of that being, uh, the other being came in and began actually in a very love-filled and uh, light-filled, very serious way, responding and giving his point of view to what Sigmund Freud had said, and of course it was Jung. And they started a conversation, or continued it rather, back and forth, that was astounding because they not only addressed their century, so they seemed to arrive in their present century where they left from, and the landscape of impact that they had on their present century. And their dialogue uh, continued in relationship to their century. And then when they returned in the future visitations, they then began addressing the present timeline of 2012 and this century. And then when they returned in future visitations, because I channeled and I received them every day from January through, um, they began addressing the future of humanity and planetary harmony. What so, I found fascinating. Hmm? Go ahead. So th- this was one pair. It was uh, sort of a matched uh, pair. Of yes. <laughs> Jung and Freud. Uh, and by the way, if you've just joined us, we are discussing with Cynthia Sloan 
um, extraordinary wisdom, amazing conversations that are coming through her um, into a new play or, or we will see what form it will take. Um, so are you aware of a change in energy when, when the conversation shifts from one to the other? You know, I'm not aware consciously. I'm aware um, when I return that my physical energetic body, my vibration has shifted and changed into many different gears. Because what ended up happening is uh, 14 duos arrived, and they were duos. Each duo that arrived not only spoke on at a different level of consciousness from their century, but then they also spoke and shifted their vibration when they spoke about this century, and then their energy shifted in vibration and energy when they spoke about the future. And so there are many different gears, if you will, that my physical, energetic, and vibrational body was holding. I could feel it when I returned. Um, the duos that came in were the others in addition, uh, Edgar Casey and Mother Teresa. They came in and they were speaking of healing and separation affecting their uh, century, this century, and future century. They they spoke to each other as well as to the point that they were making in that one-day visitation. Again, they all came back every day with either a continuation where they left off or a new concept in relationship to the present situation of the world. Buddha and Gandhi came in together, and they spoke of perception and its impact on humanity and action in perception. They spoke of, of course, Gandhi, nonviolent resistance, all again in relationship to their present century, our present century, and the future. And these dialogues, Miriam, are amazing because they have such humanity in them, and they also have such wisdom in them, and they're creating a bridge from not only their century, but they're validating ongoing life, and they're validating the impact that a soul, whether in body or out of body, still has on the ability to create change on this physical dimension. And it's such an extraordinary body of work that I um, am still speechless about in many ways because of its volume. Hmm. Have these personalities um, realized change in themselves since they've passed through physical death? They have. So they're still developing and still growing, and but still retaining their essential identity? Yes, to all of that. In fact, there are dialogues in the script that address that as well. You know, as an example, if you only, Freud, um, Freud's identity was not only in um, psychology, but also his identity was based in his masculinity, etc. We're talking about his century when he was alive, uh, also his, if you will, not necessarily his huge belief in the afterlife, etc. So now you have this being that not only is speaking through a female body, and his reaction to that was hysterical, and that's in the script, 
But now he's addressing, well, I, I can't help because of where I'm addressing the state I'm in that I have to address the afterlife because, after all, here I am, you know. And so not only is it soul evolution um, continuous on the other side in other dimensions, but what really sent home the message to me was how these beings had collaborated individually and together to continually make an impact on humanity and feel very much a uh, continued part of it. Hmm. Do you think that that's because they were kind of high-profile individuals engaged in the evolution of humanity, or do you think that this um, is the case with everyone who passes? I think their desire from, from everything I've learned from them, and I've learned so much from them and about them, that quite frankly, I didn't know prior to this experience. So I feel that in getting to know them through what they have shared themselves is that because of their high-profile um, landscape of change and impact in their century, that they have not only desired to... Um, say something, but have literally grouped together. All these beings are now communicating with one another about this project, this focus, and this opportunity, but they continually want to be heard in the assistance to humanity and the assistance to what's going on in the world right now. My point being, if they did not feel that their voice, their choice, or their soul evolution could make a difference to humanity or the world as it is right now, I don't feel that they would desire to be heard on this dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have to say, case in point, with the readings and the sessions that I do around the world and in my community, loved ones from the other side also have something to say, not necessarily on a global level, but personally to those who are connected to them and still here on a uh, physical level. And so what I have found in my body of work is that those on the other side still have a profound heart opening and voice and choice and can still affect change, whether personal or global, and more than ever in 2012, are finding different pathways to help, assist, and be heard. Wow. So what is the status of this body of work at this time? The body of work at this time is a script. You know, I... I, I asked those who have been assisting me in physical form, two physical angels that have been with me, uh, my friends, since the beginning. I asked them to pose a question, which was, how possibly can we honor this body of work without losing words in translation? Because you're asking me to get it out into the world, and I am being moved every day by the impact of what you're saying, and I agree with you that it's so huge that it has to go out into the world, so how can I honor that? And at the time, the beings returned the response as, let us create a 21st century theater production where the beings on the other side write their own lines (laughs) and and present 
uh, to the listening public their body of work, uh, bridging not only life, ongoing life, but bridging all kinds of uh, worries, concerns, and confusions. And I, my vibration was so high, I literally um, couldn't sit down. And through that, a script has been produced that knocks your socks off and that everyone that reads or experiences uh, these beings in public are not only moved but changed. And so what I am offering to not only the spirit beings that are coming through, but as the physical representation, if you will, of the door they've used, either a theater production, a television series, a documentary, a movie, whatever is going to take it to the level that it's been offered, and that is a huge level of awakening and opening consciousness. Hmm. You know, it reminds me of... um other intuitives that I have have spoken to uh, it's it's kind of when spirit finds a channel open um, or or spirits find a channel open they come uh, running in from all directions you know saying hey somebody can hear us and uh, it, it sounds like these advanced beings have found the opportunity in you to gather together and really make a significant contribution to the dialogue on humanity's future, on humanity's evolution, on the evolution of consciousness. So, you know, well done you for being able to accommodate that. Well, I'm honored and I'm taken aback still. I mean, I'm still... Even the, the work prior to this, which, ha- by the way, has continued. I'm still doing readings all over the world and in my community and assisting where I can in addition to this work. And so not only was I not looking necessarily consciously out there for, let's do something bigger, everybody. Can you hear me? <laughs> I was feeling very um, whole, complete, and, you know, still... In, in a humbled and awe, always in awe of what's possible when we open ourselves up to receive from a higher place and um, allow it. And so this came to me, and so not only am I honored, but I am um, excited and extremely passionate to get it out there, and especially um, in this pivotal time of 2012. So what kind of help do you need to get it out there, to take it on to the next level? Marketing, PR, uh, producers, you know, individuals who have um, either dabbled with or are proficient in creating a body of work that is uh, profound and impactful. Um, and I'm open to whatever venue and avenue will honor the work and uh, produce it in its true light as it has come through. Um, the script and the dialogue is not only powerful, but it is strong and it represents itself, I have to say, in its own being. So uh, production individuals, uh, funding, I'm very open and putting it out there. You know, they, they mentioned this council. This is for the people. And so I definitely want the people to experience uh, 
participating in this and um, experiencing what a small group have, which is they have experienced being moved, um, answers to their questions, and it's inspired them to take the next step in their soul evolution. Uh, can you give us like a taste of the 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 humor the 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 really the profound wisdom that you've come across <laughs> anybody there want to chip in i'm talking about you know freud jung mozart you name it chaps come in <laughs> careful what you ask for um <laughs> <laughs> well let me just say that um i have a script here in front of me and you know they are very, I will take uh, Freud and Jung as a, uh, in, an example. And um, they came in, or Freud came in, arriving first, speaking about uh, suffering and the psychology of suffering. And so he arrives, and before he can even get a word out uh, or finish, he says, in the theory that, and he's going to talk, and he already has to put his hand up to Jung and say, don't interrupt. And uh, then he continues to talk about um, his theory on sexuality, his theory on suffering. He says this is an experience that quantitative theory or psychoanalysis could not have begun to explain. And he's talking about being in the chair, being in this physical dimension, and no, no less in the body of a female. Um, and then he says, he talks about how this is very real. It must be an experience that is felt in order to be real. And then his final statement is quantifying it as that before it can even be contemplated by him. And he's pointing to Jung. He says he has already claimed it for himself. And he stands up and um, Jung comes in. And uh, Jung talks to Freud. So they're talking back and forth. And What's amazing is the people that have physically been there to witness it not only see my body take on their personality, their characteristics, their hand movements, how they held themselves when they were in that century. They're able to see the being, um, the voice changes, etc. But most importantly, it's the dialogue that represents them to their true nature. So Jung comes in and says, I knew it. In my time, it was said that this did not and could not happen. I knew better. And then he says to, he points to Freud, he says, stop mocking my excitement. And so their interaction is not only fully present, but the people who have listened to it, and this has been uh, videoed and visually recorded, um, and I have witnessed it, I can feel the presence in the interaction going on as well. And so um, Jung says, you know, we knew this would, could happen, life beyond life, but you were in your sexual low-level ground cover. You know, your, your head was not, and you were up here in, in the higher hemisphere. And so that was a, just a little small taste of their dialogue back and forth, the, the impact they had on each other, by the way, in their lifetime, how they, their disagreements actually urged them and fueled them to seek further and get to a, a bigger uh, representation of their thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it also caused them in the present moment, it's almost as though they're saying to, let's say, the listening audience, and as, as an example, see my humanity, connect with me in my humanity, connect with me in my 
uh, in my humor. And then the script takes on a, once the, the beings have connected with the humanity around them, the script seems to move into a higher level of let's all go to a higher place now. What's happening now in your century and why is it happening? And they discuss that back and forth with each other and then amongst the people that have gathered. And then they talk about the future, the future not only of humanity but Mother Earth, and they do it in a way that is filled with humor. It's also filled with intense truth where they have talked about their, all of them have addressed their death and their passing, and tears have come to all of those that have listened. So it has all the aspects, really, that address the psychological, the um, mathematical, if you will, the equation of health and spirit, spirituality, society, politics is in there. Um, science. I mean, they. it seems to be that for whatever higher reason, and I'm eternally grateful for it, these beings have come together and they're talking in a way that represents one human being and all aspects of that human being, mm-hmm. not just the mental or the emotional. So it's a body of work where all these beings are addressing the totality and the wholeness of one human being, and then addressing all the aspects that could be out of balance, why and how to realign them. It sounds to me like it would make a great TV series or or uh, uh, series of plays or movies. I don't know. Um, we, Absolutely. We need, we need some angels out there uh, to both give input on the creative side as well as some funding. How can any angels out there get a hold of you, Cynthia? Yes, yes. angels, please reach me at my website. Which uh, is? The website, the website is Cynthia Sloan. It's spelled C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. S is in Sam, L-O-N. There is no E or A in Sloan. And then the number 9.com. So CynthiaSloan9.com. That is my website. My phone number is on there. My email is on there. Please feel free to contact me um, if you feel inspired to do so. And most certainly if you feel called to participate in this grand gesture of not only spiritual awakening, but also humans' opportunity to hear itself talking to itself, because after all, these beings were human, and they're coming from a human and spiritual perspective. So it's an opportunity to take it to a higher level while in body. And uh, Cynthia is in the Portland, Oregon area, so that uh, would be where, if you wanted to participate physically, in the um, experience, or you can travel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can. (laughs) Right. Well, um, I can only commend Cynthia and her work to you because it is probably one of the most extraordinary uh, theatrical experiences you will ever um, hear or see. So, um, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, Cynthia, and talking about this manuscript, Extraordinary Wisdom, Amazing Conversations, and we put the call out there to all angels. 
Um, and if you've ever met Cynthia, you know that she is a walking angel herself. Oh, thank you, Miriam. I am so honored for the opportunity, and I can't think of a better avenue to present this to the world through and with and with you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, dear. So next week, our guest will be the amazingly named Ptolemy Tompkins, and we will be discussing his rather intriguing book, The Modern Book of the Dead, A Revolutionary Perspective on Death, the soul, and what really happens in the life to come. I do hope you'll join us. We're going to close our show with the track of the week by PMA members Barry Cahill and Deline St. Clair. It's called Free at Last. It started out as just a dream Could we find freedom The life-giving stream Like a man in a cave When the stones rolled away from the Into your heart 
thousand mile journey A step every day Everyone a new start Put a song in your Free at Last by Barry Cahill, performed with his wife, Deline St. Clair. Barry's work centers around what he calls important and meaningful topics. He said, I feel there is a huge hunger for more substance from the entertainment industry. That's where I choose to focus my time and energy. Good on you, Barry. Their website is cahillanddeline.com. That's C-A-H-I-L-L-A-N-D-D-E-L-E-N-E. Well, that wraps up our show for today. If you enjoyed our show, visit our website for more fascinating interviews as well as great book and film reviews. The website is ncreview.com. And while you're there, leave us a comment. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.